everybody. Got uh, Colton Stonball with the Inspire Podcast. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to dive into data and what that really means for marketers in 2020. Uh, I'm joined today by two excellent guests, Ryan Lenahan, Digital Director, Dig- Director of Digital Marketing. Ah, uh, geez, stumbling already is going to be a good one. But uh, Ryan Lenahan, Director of Digital Marketing. How you doing today, Ryan? Good, Colton. Thanks for having me. And uh, Walter Bonet, General Manager at Dean Houston West, uh, and also Vice President of Strategy. All around good guy, too. How you doing today, Walt? Uh, with that introduction, I'm even doing better, Colt. Thank you. And that's what we try to do here. So, know. you know, again, getting back to the topic that we really want to discuss and, you know, a little bit into to why you guys are the, the right people to educate our audience, data, you know. We throw this term around all the time as marketers. We hear it every day. Um, but I think most marketers would probably say they're not leveraging it to its fullest extent. So what does data mean to you guys? And how and why is it so important in today's digital-first marketing culture? Ryan, you want to take a shot at that? Or you want me, want me to take a crack at it? You can take a crack and I'll add to it. All right. You know, yeah, so data, uh, you know, has been around for a long time. And um, in today's world, it's even more critical that uh, organizations, people understand all the, uh, you know, ones and zeros, the bits that are flying through the air. And the collection of that data uh, is going to be monumental to the future of their business. And what, what's more important than just the data, right, it's just information is what you do with it, the actionable data, the understanding of that data and how it relates to you, your business, to your customers, and trying to make sense of it. And the way we make sense of it is through um, analyzing that data, trying to uh, uh, bring out the, the, you know, behaviors and the predictability of that, of that data. And, and, and then as marketers, trying to... Um, really get the right information at the right time to the right person. Um, and, and that's really what we do with the data that we receive. Right. And, uh, I think you hit a big thing there. And Ryan, I'm going to pass the ball to you here. You know, you, you mentioned a term there and I think this is really key is actionable, right? You know, we, we talk about data all the time until we're blue in the face, but if you're not doing anything with it, then what good is it? You know, so I think about that and, and how to, to make sure data is actionable. Ryan, I mean, what, what does that mean to you? Yeah, and I, I think Walter hit on a lot of good points. And for me, um, a lot of times and a lot of our clients before we started to get into this, you know, data-driven marketing is um, it, it validates the story that we're trying to tell. And um, we can use those data points to help tell the story and become hyper-targeted or super-focused in our marketing efforts that, you know, in the past we may not have been able to do. So we're able to collect this data, analyze it, craft a story, and then generate a digital and overall marketing plan, um, you know, based off of, you know, either historical data or, you know, current, you know, trends and, you know, things like that. Right. You know, and, and I just like to add, you know, data is information, right? But then what you do with that information and how you execute it, how you create that story becomes communication. Mm-hmm. 
right? And 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 it's the delivery of that communication to that right person um, that's going to help you move the needle or help get your message and engagement that you're looking for. Yeah, you know, and and when I think about that and like taking that into an actionable utilitarian package. I mean, there's got to be some big obstacles. There. You know, we hear about data cleanliness, data health. You know, Walter, you mentioned getting the right message to the right person. Well, how do you do that if your data isn't right? I mean, what do you guys see when it comes to, to getting a data set from an organization that maybe historically hasn't been data driven? Are there obstacles there? What does it look like to make sure data is clean and accurate? You know, and, and what's the benefit of going through that process? You know, and this is one of the one of the biggest challenges that we have in the industrial B two B space is that you have um, a lot of B two B industrial companies um, becoming more digital. They're they're transforming themselves into this digital world, and part of that struggle is is the data that's collected, um, and and the data that's collected on their customers. So what we are often faced with is uh, dirty data, incorrect data, wrong information, information that hasn't been updated. Um, and one of the biggest, uh, basically fundamental things that I always start with is how clean is your data? What does your data look like? You know, what are you doing today? What's your baseline? And uh, we find ourselves oftentimes more than not um, having to uh, help our clients clean that data, scrub it, um, you know, I, I know, Ryan, you've done a lot of that. And you, I don't know, you probably run into the same challenges that, that we have. Yeah, I, I think it's story time here, Ryan. We're going we're gonna to need one of your good ones because I know you're one of the guys making big plays in this area. Yeah. And, and Walter, you kind of you, you kind of touched on a lot of high level things there and a lot of important things that we kind of do from a from a data cleansiness you know, process. And um, I, I can give an example. We had a client in a construction uh, market that I would say their data was probably 15 to 18 years old. Um, they didn't have anyone internally that kind of owned or managed it. Um, they kind of took their, their orders and customers as they came in. So um, part of that process was kind of sitting down. It was obviously a collective effort, um, which, you know, we can kind of discuss. And um, we, we utilized multiple tools that kind of, you know, clean the data, you know, find the right, you know, either customer contact points. And we um, uh, kind of went through that process hand in hand. This was kind of a, over a three month period. And the, the baseline, the word that you used, Walter, was kind of finding what their baseline was. Originally, they said their baseline they thought was about 32% of their client information or customer information was accurate. After we went through this data scrubbing process, we got it at least today, and this is still an ongoing process, and it will continue to be an ongoing process, is about 87% accurate um, by the time we completed our initial, um, you know, list scrubbing. So, like, 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 think about that for a second. So, when you first started, 70% of, they, of their data was unusable. Yep. Now, now how, much, how much, how valuable was that? data to them right i mean in in a moment in time like five ten years ago maybe the organization wasn't thinking like that but now any data that you collect any digital touch point or connections that we can have to customers is super valuable so 
having uh, your data as accurate as 87% is phenomenal. Um, and, and one of the key things you said is this is where I think a lot of organizations fall is that um, they don't assign ownership mm -hmm. to the data. They, a lot of companies end up buying these, these, you know, hundred thousand dollar, multi-million dollar CRMs. Um, and, and they're looking for software to fix their problem. Um, you, and more often than not, it's not the software. It's the mental mode or the mindset of the organization that says, Hey, you know what? We're going to get serious about data. We're going to assign an owner and part of your job is to make sure that the integrity of our data and information, and then from that, the communication is sound. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the critical elements. And I think this company you're talking about, they actually assigned someone to own the data. Is that, is that correct? Or is that another client? That no, they did. Um, that is the same, the same instance. And, and that's really where the turning point occurred. Because you're you're 100 correct. Um, if we we can clean your data, we can get it we can get it 87 accurate. But in, if you don't assign someone internally to have accountability and kind of that ownership piece, in five years you're going to kind of go back to where you were. So part of right. where we come in is we clean the data, we help we help get it into an actionable state, and then help you create the internal processes to continue to manage and own right. that CRM. And, and then here's, here's another dimension that um, a lot of companies um, are challenged with is, is your route to market and the collection of data. So it's a very, it's a, it's an easier process when you have a direct sales organization, right? Because you have a salesperson direct to con customer, but when you have a channel in the middle of that, whether it's distribution or whether it's sales reps, the ability for that organization to uh, collect the data and to have uh, a clean database is very challenging because they're working with a channel, okay? And so in those instances, if your route to market is through distribution or some type of channel, it's even more important to assign someone the ownership of that, of that information and to, to actively pursue uh, the touch points that exist to try to keep that data or collect it. Yeah, so, so the big things I'm hearing there, you know, just to, to sum it up, make sure I'm understanding guys is, is it, it's one thing to approach data and yeah, hey, we've got it, but to do it effectively, it requires regular ongoing accountability. Is that, uh, is that correct? And, and Ryan, you, you described a little bit like working closely hand in hand with, you know, an internal partner to make sure that that data was staying accurate. What are, what are the, some of the, the specific tools or ways that you work alongside that individual to, to make sure that this ongoing effort is, is reaping rewards? Yeah. And, and there, there's obviously a lot of tools that you can utilize to uh, keep your database or your data clean. Um, obviously we utilize uh, tools like Kickbox that basically validates the, the domain of an email authentication, um, which will, is kind of our starting point, because basically that'll tell you is if that contact still works at that company or that customer. Um, we use programs like Kaleidoscope, which is a tool that basically um, validates two, two data points to see any redundancies 
or any duplicates in the data that you might have. So those are really our, our starting point tools that we use to kind of clear up any, you know, um, I don't want to say dead contacts, but any, any contacts that may not be active. And then we kind of come and meet with that internal partner and start going through, and this is where some of that manual labor kind of comes in and highlighting some of the, the, the key contacts or companies that they might have. And then we go through the process of, you know, that account-based marketing where we start geofencing or geotargeting these contacts and start validating that their, their records are still accurate. I think you just hit something huge here. You know, my job is to just help you guys segue from uh, from digital marketing buzzword to digital marketing buzzword today. <laughs> you know, you, you brought up the idea of account based marketing there. You know, and and back to that idea of, of actionable use of data, especially in a B two B high ticket technical products environment. I mean, account based marketing. I think for the past two three years has probably been one of the most used buzzwords and what's often described as the future of industrial marketing. Um, how are you guys now that you know, you've explained that we clean this data, get it ready to go, put it in an actionable state. How are you taking that data and deploying it in a way that, that is in the spirit of what we call account-based marketing? You know, Cole, um, I, I wanted to add one more point before we get into the uh, account-based marketing approach and, 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 Part of um, having clean data, having using your internal uh, uh, resources to do that, oftentimes, too, there's an external request that happens. And um, going and, you know, our clients would typically, they would go and find a list provider. Mm-hmm. And they would give them all these lists, right? And that's how they end up with some of these bad, um, names. So you would pay $5,000 and you'll get 10,000 names in a certain industry. Well, in today's world where you have data privacy and you have a uh, changing dynamic that's going on with those type of organizations and lists, it's even more important to align yourself with um, data partners. And I don't want to call them data list partners, but data partners that can give you really solid, clean uh, uh, contacts um, and and uh, you know that's an important thing to note also because there might be people out there who think hey I can just buy uh, spend $5,000 and get 10,000 names and what we're finding is that no longer works mm-hmm. and so you have to change your approach not to you know not not to get you know talk about the ABM stuff but I wanted to make that point no no I think that that's a good point you know when when there's a lot of people out there trying to sell you data you know, it's, it's fair to say, be careful for counterfeits, right? You know, and, and make sure that you're, you're not getting things that aren't relevant because, I mean, to circle it back, bad data in, bad output, and then everything that you just talked about, Ryan and Walt, is for nothing. Yeah, right. right. You know, and, with, then, and then, yeah, and then going back to the actionable data, which is what we all love and we all talk about, we all geek out on, is this ABM thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that's really what excites me um, from a strategy standpoint is, is, you know, doing some of these account-based marketing initiatives with our clients. And, you know, and this word account-based marketing sounds uh, very sophisticated and sounds complicated. Um, and, and, you know, 
Ron and I were talking the other day and, you know, I told him, look, man, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older. I don't know if you can tell. I come from the old school. But in old school days, man, account-based marketing strategies, all that was was is just finding the person that you needed to get in contact with, finding the decision-maker influencer, going up to that person, making a handshake, introducing yourself to them and say, hey, I've got a, a solution that I think is going to help your business in, in these ways and, and really have a consultant approach. Well, you know, that was done in the old days, right? Like face-to-face. And now we have these new digital tools and these digital mediums that you're seeing the, the, that essence of how it used to be done just transformed into a new medium, which is what account-based marketing is today. So a lot of companies, a lot of marketing managers and directors, you know, they get this idea that it's a you need to be super sophisticated and it's going to cost tons of, of money to do it. When in reality, it, it really isn't uh, you know, as complex or as expensive as you might um, think. I don't know what you guys think about that, but what are your thoughts before we get into yeah. the, the nitty gritty of the ABM? I think that that's a very interesting thing, right? And what you described there is the old adage, there isn't anything new under the sun, right? Mm-hmm. You know, is is you think about it, and, and we try and use this this new buzzword ABM and account based marketing to describe something that's new or revolutionary. It's really following the fundamentals of sales and marketing that successful companies have followed for decades, if not centuries. That's all, right? yeah. And and you know, it, a- Amen, brother Colt. Amen. <laughs> but uh, well, I, I know. I know you can you can speak you know when I especially when I hit on that centuries you know clip there, but uh, <laughs> you know Ryan you know and, and if you're 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 not watching this on YouTube and uh, maybe you're you're just listening, Ryan is probably the most baby faced senior digital marketer you're you'll ever see in your life. So I'm going to pick on you a little bit here, Ryan. Right. So account-based marketing in this new world where we've got access to good, clean, actionable data, what does that look like? You know, maybe I'll ask you the same question I asked before. You're the one making plays in this space. Tell us a good story. Yeah, so Walter actually hit on it. This, the account-based marketing strategy has been around forever. And, and basically, you know, I'll give an example of another uh, client of ours in the construction space that um, their data wasn't as rough as the example I gave before, but they they still needed to go through that data cleansiness process. And once we got their data in an actionable standpoint, their sales guys came to us and said, you know, we really need to start doing account-based marketing. We need help with our our sales regions. So what we did is we, we created a strategic plan and a strategic automated workflow that, you know, took the data that we had and created targeted messaging in their specific regions and created this campaign that hit, you know, the different, you know, needs and objectives to their end users in each of the markets. And uh, the campaign itself resulted in about 1.2 or $1.4 million in sales, which is fantastic. But what it ultimately did is it found their, it found them, you know, a new way to communicate and market to existing, but also new customers in those regions that I don't want to say eliminated the need of cold calling, but it gave them a new platform 
for them to generate, you know, leads and then honestly sales qualified leads. So it's a great story of how we kind of took what they've always done in these regions with flyers and more of the print based marketing and turned it into a digital campaign, took cleaned up their data and gave them a platform that can kind of live and breathe on its own. Yeah, that uh, I mean, that's incredible. I mean, I, getting to the result there, you know, 1.4 million in sales off of this campaign. I mean, that's huge. Now, if you don't mind me, can I ask a few questions to try and reverse engineer that for those? Yeah, of course. So, you know, you took this clean data and then used that to drive digital communication. Now, I'm assuming, and it's okay to tell me I'm wrong, most people do, that uh, so you took that list and then ran that through maybe a email marketing marketing automation platform to start to get that initial signal out to this new clean list of qualified accounts. Yes, that is accurate. All right. So okay. So next step, <laughs> to tell me where I start going wrong. Is you're able to look at you know email performance data, engagement, and then depending on what those individual contacts at those accounts did maybe get that information to the sales team or continue to follow up with more contextual information. Again, all in a relatively set it and forget it fashion. Yeah. And, and the one thing that I will add to that is we also, we were running other digital communications like social media or paid advertising. Um, and we kind of uh, coordinated it all together using custom GTM event tracking, which was tied into our automation system. So it wasn't just email communication. We kind of, took all of their digital communication efforts and tracked to kind of what we wanted to do is ultimately tell the buyer persona or the buyer customer journey. Right. And to do that, we coordinated all of their digital communication efforts and then ultimately utilized a system within the automation called lead scoring within their activity reached a certain threshold. We were then able to automatically not manually, automatically deliver that contact and what um, pieces of content they interacted with to the salespeople in real time. You know, and, and Colton, I think one of the things that, that make account-based marketing strategies work and effective, it's relevancy. And I think Ryan would say that by understanding the persona, understanding the customer journey, um, and having a message curtailed uh, or, uh, uh, you know, the content is curtailed to that audience increases your relevancy and your hit rate. And that's why, you know, I think you have a successful campaign there where someone's, you hit that person at that right time and yep. says, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready to make, take the next step, you know, versus the old way where I'm just shooting out information and, um, um, I'm fishing with nets. Now what we're doing is we're spearfishing, yep. right? And and it's all about relevancy and the content that's curtailed to your target audience. Um, um, and that's that's one of the key elements, I think. I think that spearfishing, that creates a really strong visual, right? That mm -hmm. highly targeted, knowing where the, uh, the good parts of the pond are, where there's a lot of good meaty fish. You know, but, but historically, maybe a, a salesperson can only do that at one time. It's almost like we're helping people spearfish with drones at this point. <laughs> it's like that next level. Right. Well, and, 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 
you know, and and um, e yeah, even if you don't get the immediate spearfish or you don't get the immediate sale, what you do is you prepare the 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 the, the battlefield. You prepare the audience, right? You so when they do engage that salesperson, they're already subconsciously down the path of marking of making a purchasing decision. So when they do engage with the salesperson or have that conversation, you've, you've given them enough information to make a decision to say, you know what, John, I'm going to take that next step. You know what? Yeah, I do want to have a demo or I do want this next step. So even if you don't necessarily get the immediate sale, what's happening is the downstream effect of your content strategy is having an impact on your audience and you're preparing them to take that next step when they're ready. Well, so I, that's also an important function. Well, and I, I think that's incredible. And I, and I think you really, everything you talk about there, Walt, you really boil that down in that, you know, yeah, maybe you don't get the immediate sale when you're on a campaign like this, but that long-term value and that long-term priming that you create with your audience. I mean, I think that that's what marketers for decades and centuries have been describing as brand, right? Mm -hmm. Right. It, well, yeah. And here's the thing too, though, is, um, you know, sales by nature have a short-term view, right? Like they, they typically say, Hey, you know what? I need to make a sale right now. I have a three to six month um, view on, on their space. Marketers have tend to look at, you know, uh, you know, a little bit longer horizon. Okay. And um, for us, um, it's about building engagement, right? And, and the type of engagement that we want to build is really what you're doing is you're building a trusted digital relationship with that end user or that, that, that target audience. And you're saying every time that I send you a piece of digital information, whether it's an email or social media, or you go to my landing page or you go to whatever digital touch point, what you're establishing is trust, what you're establishing is value and what you're establishing is relevancy, which is, which is why it's critical to understand your customers, the personas and the customer journeys that they're taking to build that, um, to, to, to basically help manage that funnel, that sales funnel that exists, the digital sales funnel. Mm -hmm. and, and Ryan, you brought this up and maybe I'll ask you to expand on it a little bit. You know, as you, you talked about how, you know, you, you laid out this, this relatively sophisticated digital and content architecture that you, you know, for that client you were talking about that you helped build out. So you described it and synthesized it in a very simple way. But you did say at the heart of that was that customer and buyer's journey. So what does that look like when you're getting ready to, to do one of these campaigns and deploy it, Ryan? How do you as the digital marketer reference that buyer's journey? How does that help drive your psychology on the execution side? Yeah, and uh, this is also where that, that internal um, partner, you know, the client also comes in. Because understanding even just the buyer's journey, not so much, you know, the buying process you know, kind of obviously helps formulate that. But, you know, once we kind of sit down and have that strategic discussion about what the buyer process looks like, we can kind of digitize it, right? We, we, we create sort of indicators of what pieces of material or what, uh, what pieces of content 
maybe relevant to them in the different phases, you know, like if it's the consideration or the awareness, you know, it, it, it kind of depends. So like if they're in an awareness phase, we, we create very specific content to kind of give them the, the pros and cons or the benefits or the value of what the product might be. And as they move through the funnel, depending on the client and what product they're selling, it's going to be different for each client and each product. We then can tailor that content and trigger different automated communications based off where they are. Now, now how, how deep does that persona exercise go? I mean, you know, are, are you going as deep as to think about who that ideal customer is, what their job title is, what their pain points are, what their motivations are? Oh, absolutely. And that goes back to the data cleanse, you know, the, the cleaning process that we started at the very beginning of this podcast is part of that discussion with the internal owner is understanding what are those core pieces of data that we need to start mapping out that persona. So job title, um, you know, do they have purchasing decisions? Um, where they are geography, you know, geographically, so that we can start, you know, crafting that story in the buyer persona to market to them. Right. And, and let, me, let me interject here. Um, one key element to understanding the buyer persona, because you might not exactly know what it is. When That's you a start, good point. Yep. Right. So, so how do you know, how do you, how do you find what that persona is? Well, what we do is we use content and by the type of engagement that happens with our content, we can begin to make inferences and, and deduce certain types of, um, you know, persona archetypes that we want to build. So if, for example, um, we have a maintenance piece of content mm-hmm. out there and someone is consuming that maintenance piece of content, I can deduce that, oh, this person is probably in the maintenance uh, department or is interested in, in some type of operation maintenance. Or if I have a piece of content that's more geared towards management or executive level, Right, you know, or maybe in operations, you know, how to how to run efficient operations. I can deduce that this person is interested in operational content. So now we can begin to skew the content in ways uh, that fits that person. So the more that that person consumes content, the more that we know about that that person, and and then this is how we define um, the persona along that journey. That's an excellent point. Yep. Well, and it, it, it almost seems like the intersection there, right? As you talk about like the old way of marketing and sales and the new way, that intimate and deep understanding of the customer and who they are is like that beautiful, happy, medium, heavenly point where there's so much collaboration and value created. Yeah. Know me. Understand me. Understand understand my needs and wants, right? That's the basic fundamental of, of sales in the sense of like people buy from people that like, and why do I like you? It's because you listen to me, because you understand me, because you know that my, my kid plays soccer and my wife wants red shoes and, you know, no, understand me and don't, don't, t- don't give me, you know, information that I'm not going to need or is, is irrelevant. Give me the relevant information and, and create that trusted digital relationship. And, and, What's amazing in today's world is that we, we can bring that precision type of marketing, that geo-focused type of marketing from a state to a county to a city down to a zip code 
right? Like we could narrow down that, that target to a person and, and customize content around that, that, that geography space that we're targeting. Or we could, we could juxtapose the market information that that person is, is, is looking for, mm -hmm. right? They might be looking for something in water wastewater or in chemical or in aerospace and defense. Well, if we could geo-target that down to the areas where we know where those, those fishing ponds are, and just focus in our messaging around chemical. And we know that this area is about chemical. And we know that John Smith is the chemical engineer and he likes these things. Now you can begin to hyper-focus your targeted message and your hit rates even increase higher. And that, that brings it all back to the beginning, right? It starts with clean data. Mm -hmm. And clean data equals precision. Precision equals customer intimacy. Right. Uh, yes. Yes. It, uh, it's kind of simple. So, you know, I know we got about five minutes left here and, and I think the, the high level overview on like clean data and the application of it, you know, has been incredible. You know, I'm sure a, a big portion of our audience probably had a few light bulbs, you know, pop up above their heads. But I always like to end these with, with one question here is what are some of the biggest challenges mm -hmm. that you see companies face in this space? You know, what are the, the things that, that maybe through trial and error on your own part or just some of the things that, that, that you've seen that are a little scary? What are the things that you always recommend that we avoid when we're thinking about data-driven digital marketing? Um, I, I can go. Um, and then, Walter, you can kind of add to it. I have two. Um, my biggest two is just how um, consumer behavior changes um, with time and making sure that you stay on top of that. Um, but my biggest one is really the data privacy. You know, things change very quickly. Um, you're seeing states like California, Vermont, you know, really everyone slowly adopt um, kind of that European, European Privacy Act for digital communication. So making sure that, you know, we as digital marketers and our client advocates, you know, we stay on top of those, you know, rules and regulations. And, you know, we learn that, you know, as things change, you know, there's always ways to pivot and make sure that, you know, we're still staying within those rules, but we're still delivering the end user the, the you know, the right time, the right place, and most importantly, the, you know, the information they're looking for. So right. from- I say, Ryan, I, I think you just previewed what, uh, what our next conversation with you is gonna be. Uh, I think that, that that data privacy thing yep. is huge. You know, and, and I'm sure we could probably go another 45 minutes oh, talking about all the different ways that you're working to, to get that figured out. But the uh, audience, don't uh, don't worry. We're going to definitely be bringing Ryan back to dive into that a little bit. You know, Walt, what about you, man? What, uh, what, are, what, are, what are the biggest things you recommend that people steer away from when they start to get on with that? Uh, well, you know, to, what, what I would suggest is, you know, right now during these uh, – these times, right? Everyone's quarantined. We got this pandemic. There's no better time than to clean your data now, right? Do some spring cleaning right now, short term. Get that out of the way. So when you, when it does open up and you come out the gates, you have some some clean data and you can begin to do your marketing. What 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 I see as a challenge in the future for companies, uh, as they transform themselves into this digital age, there will be companies that make it and companies that don't. And the companies that are uh, make it they will understand their data. 
they will have to understand their touch points. Why? Because companies that uh, are going to emerge in this new digital age have to have clean data in order for them to uh, interact and engage with AI, artificial intelligence, right? And so artificial intelligence will give advantages to uh, companies. And if you don't have clean data, you're going to be behind the eight ball. Um, I would also say is that having the understanding of data, right? You've heard the term, term big data tossed around, but what does it mean from a customer perspective? Are you understanding their behaviors? Are you understanding the patterns? Are you understanding their needs? Can you, can you create and innovate from the understanding and data that you're collecting? Can you, are you, are you able to have your, your listening ears out there and, and, and begin to create customer-centric product from the data that you collect, right? And so um, at the very root of all of this is having someone own the data, having someone that says, you know what, I'm going to have clean data to execute sales and marketing initiatives. Um, and I would steer clear away from just the old days of just buying these lists and then just do an email blast. That's not gonna work anymore with the data privacy we just talked about. That's why partnering with someone who understands all the, the rules and regulations around privacy, having an organization that understands your business needs and exactly what you're looking for and, and, and give you that precision where in the old days, maybe you were wanting to have quantity and 5,000 lists of, of a certain market segment was very, in, uh, gratifying. Today, it's not about the 5,000. It's about 500 quality mm -hmm. leads that has been verified and qualified. And if you can get that and then nurture that, um, you're uh, much further along than the competition. So those are the th things that I would I would add. No, I, I think that that's, a, that's an incredible kind of closing thought there, Walt, is, mm -hmm. you know, now now is the time to start cleaning your data, you know, and, and the reason being is, is it going to become a very competitive landscape. You know, I think when you think about things like the, the uncertain future of business travel and the fact that it might be hard for a salesperson to go make an unsolicited sales call, you know, which used to be the backbone of a lot of B2B, you know, that. So I think, so it's, think about there. <laughs> right, because, because you're, we're going to come out this and it's going to be a new world, new businesses and people that, uh, and organizations that are able to adapt and able to swim in this data ether that exists and, and navigate it are the ones that are going to be able to leapfrog the competition. Companies that don't understand that are going to be left behind mm -hmm. and it's going to accelerate even further because of what's happening now because you're going to see companies that understand their customer base and these ideas of virtual trade shows, these ideas of having distributor trainings online, these ideas of having customer engagement tools to understand your customer better. So listening behavior dynamics and all that stuff, it's going to be more prominent now than ever. And what we're going through right now as a society is an accelerant to all of that. Mm -hmm. So I, I think we can sum all that up in, in four short words, and I'm sure everybody on this uh, this podcast would agree. You know, when you're thinking about data, four simple words: find yourself a Ryan. Is that is that right? <laughs> 
Yes, find yourself a rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I think that, that that urgency element, really, really thinking about, you know, there's going to be two companies, companies that adopt this and the companies that yeah. don't, and, and what that means is so critical. But I didn't mean to put you on the spot there, Ryan. I no, you're all good. But <laughs> you got any, uh, you got any, any final closing thoughts? So I think it'd be tough to Trump, uh, Trump Walter there. No, I was going to say, Walter, you spoke, that, that was beautiful. Uh, that was perfect way to kind of close this, close the data conversation. And uh, no, it was great. And I, uh, you know, to, to the audience out there, you know, you have any questions about this, you know, how to reach us, you know, happy to, to continue the conversation with you, you know, directly, um, you know, but, but Walter Ryan, thanks so much, man. I think this was an awesome conversation. I feel fired up, you know, and inspired, hopefully, uh, so, some other people wow. out there in the universe feel the same way, but uh, something tells me this is the first of many. So, uh, no, this is awesome, man. Thank yeah. you for for hosting it. Thank you, Ryan, for being uh, a baby-faced genius <laughs> around lead generation and management. And uh, in the background, uh, you'll see uh, Ryan has a, a map of Kentucky. He's a big Wildcat fan. So yep. hopefully we can get back to the uh, uh, NCAA basketball tournament here and. Uh, get to see some basketball soon. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Colton. It was great. Have a great one, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yep. Take it easy. Bye, guys. Bye.